This program contains explicit content and subject matter which may be unsuitable for some listeners. Discretion is advised. You've got questions. We've got all the answers when it comes to sex and more. This is the A to Z of sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Every week, we pick a series of topics that you've been wanting to know about. It's an encyclopedia of sex, intimacy, relationships, and so much more than that. Let's get things started. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I am a psychologist, sex and intimacy coach, uh, advanced accredited gender, sex and relationship diversity therapist who has spent the past 33 years working with people to help them create and maintain meaningful relationships with sizzling sex and without shame. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. And oh my God, we have come to the end of the alphabet again. And so this week's episode is Z, or if you're where I live, Z is for zapping, zipless, and other tidbits. I have um, been collecting some questions that we just haven't had the opportunity to answer. And I figured that this show um, would be a good one to answer some of the outstanding questions that people have. Now, don't forget, you do have the opportunity to write questions into me during the show um, by using my email, which is lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com, or to... Um, telephone in and I will answer those questions live. So please do feel free. So I'm pulling up the email so I can make sure that nobody's sending in questions right this minute. And I'm going to start with the question that gave me the idea to talk about zapping. Um, So here we go. Um, Mary said that her partner likes to do things with electricity. And um, she said the sound of the toys actually is really quite frightening. And um, she's never been able to try it because of the sound. And she wanted to know whether there was any approachable way to involve electric play in their sex life. So, um, so this is kind of not an easy um, approach tool, Um, but it's easier than you might think. So let's talk a little bit about this. And I know I've done a show with some of this before, but I want to talk a little about some of, some of the specifics we may not have covered and just remind some people of, of some of these specifics. So um, electric play can use a variety of different instruments. One of them, uh, the violet wand, was originally considered a medical device and uh, was used for all sorts of stuff. And basically, this was um, an, a handpiece, an electric hand, elect, a handpiece where the electricity came through. And then there were a variety of attachments, usually made of glass, and, and with um, often argon or neon gas running through them to show when the electric current was there. So they lit up in pretty colors. And these attachments were made in different shapes and different sizes, depending on what was being treated. So um, there's one that's a comb that was used on the scalp 
Um, it was supposed to promote hair growth um, and help with headaches. Um, you know, there were there were one this one that has like um, it's very hard to display. It's like an inverted nipple. So and and that you put over any kind of a bump to kind of pull up the bump to get rid of the bump. So there were all sorts of things that they did with these violet ones, and they are still used today. And the principle is still used today in a more modern form. So they're still used today for various kinds of facial treatments. And the principle is used in, in a variety of very well-respected facials, like, for example, the Casey facial, which does use a mild current that um, tightens the face by getting the muscles stimulated is one way. And, um, and please, if, if you know Casey well, don't attack me on this. I'm not very good at describing what it does. But I um, mean, they're excellent facials, but it's still the same technology. So they're still using that. Um, okay. So when you have a Casey facial, and I'm, I'm mentioning this on purpose, when you have a Casey facial, it can feel tingly, but it doesn't hurt. It actually can feel quite good. That tingliness feels quite good. So there is some violet wand play that you can do with a partner that feels tingly but not painful. And then you can dial it up to where it is a little painful, moderate pain, and a lot of pain. Um, there are some cautions that you need to observe whenever you're doing electrical play. The rule of thumb is beneath the waist only. You shouldn't be doing anything chest level, um, anything that could interfere with heart or heart rhythm, right? Now, I know that people violate this all the time and do things on breasts and nipples and things. But technically, you shouldn't be doing that. So there it is. Um, there's your safety warning. So violet wand is one way of playing. There, and then, you know, there are violet wand, there are modern violet wands, and then some people do reconditioned ones. So they're, they're actually the old-fashioned ones, that, and they recondition them. But please be careful if you're getting a reconditioned one to make sure that the person who's doing the reconditioning knows what they're doing and that they're used to working with electricity. The last thing you want is to get um, unmoderated current. You, you could really, you know, you could die. Um, it could be incredibly harmful or you could die. So you really want to make sure that whoever you're getting this from really knows what they're doing. Um, or you can buy a modern version. And that, so there are ones that are made that are specifically for kink um, that are modern versions. Um, and um, many of them have what's called a touch plate, where it's a plate that you can put um, in your belt, your trousers. It's going to be touching your skin that elect basically electrifies you. So when you run your finger down somebody, the sparks are going to fly. Um, and that is actually quite an intimate form of electrical play. So there's that. Um, then there are um, Easton machines, um, which are... Um, TENS unit related, and they use all sorts of things like pads um, and insertables and various kinds of toys, um, and, and they electrify them as well. So uh, there's a wide variety of attachments you can get for that. And again, you want to try and keep this below the waist, but it's the same principle. And then there's tasers. Yes, people really do play with tasers. Obviously, tasers are much higher risk. Um, the shock is much higher, it's much more intense, and um, it's really something that should come with many, many, many health warnings. Um, but that is another way in which people zap. Um, so if 
Mary, you are finding this completely unapproachable. It's understandable, given that she was talking about tasers to start with. But you might try one of the things like um, violet wands and start at a very low setting and then see where you get and whether you enjoy it. Because at a low setting, it's sensual. Uh, It becomes um, more painful at a higher setting. But at a low setting, it is sensual. So that was Zap. That was the question on Zap. Then I had um, Joshua who wrote in and asked about zipless fucks again and said that he wasn't really sure whether the zipless fuck existed anymore and whether it was something that was popular now or if it was just something that was popular um, back in the 70s and the 80s um, uh, when Erica Jong wrote about it. Um, And so for all of you who may not know or may not remember, a zipless fuck is basically when you have sex with somebody with no strings, no ties. Um, And the idea is the person's a virtual stranger to you and you get together for the purpose of having sex and um, then you disappear and that's the end of that. Now, I think um, zipless fuck etiquette has changed quite a lot over the years. Um, When this was originally a big thing, uh, nobody was talking about HIV or AIDS and they weren't aware of it early part of it it didn't they didn't think it existed so there wasn't much of an std conversation going on so that's one thing that's changed massively um a lot of people didn't use any kind of protection um and so that was part of the fun that was part of the excitement these days if you want to avoid sexually transmitted infections you are definitely going to use protection of course those days you wanted to use protection as well there were a lot of things you could catch um, that would be protected for by a condom, but would not be protected from for any other way, really. Um, some people, because of the advent of PrEP, which you can take in order to avoid HIV infection, some people choose to engage in zipless fucks now without condoms because they take PrEP. So they're protecting themselves against HIV. However, They're not protecting themselves against the host of other sexually transmitted infections that are out there, um, uh, some of which are quite severe and difficult to get rid of, and some of which are deadly if not caught and treated. So um, it's, uh, again, it's, it's you need to evaluate your risk. Each of us has a responsibility to assess our own risk, and you need to do that and decide what level of risk you're willing to have when you're doing this. And the other part um, of risk is this existed back then, but we're much more aware of um, the potential danger we put ourselves in when we go and, and, and become intimate with a stranger. Um, and, and we, uh, there was the same level of danger then, but people were less aware of that. So again, you know, do things like have a safe call so that at least one friend knows where you are and is going to call you sometime during the evening. And if you don't respond in the appropriate way, the police are going to arrive at the door. Um, and we're going to take a break in a minute and, After we get back, I'll give you a couple of more tips of mine, a couple of my most robust tips about how to deal with sex with somebody that you don't know very well um, and in order to protect your safety a bit. So uh, we'll be back after a couple of minutes and some words from our sponsors. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
on Anti-Aging Unraveled. Host Dr. Lori Gerber features guests related to the field of integrative medicine and more specifically what she calls deconstructed medicine. Many symptoms that we think of as common and related to the aging process don't have to be issues. If you think outside the common treatment processes, you'll learn that integrative medical technology, new innovations, and natural health can combine to help you age gracefully. Anti-Aging Unraveled. Listen Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at DrLoriBethBisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey everyone, welcome back to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. And this week it is Z or Z, which is for zaps, zipless fucks and other things. And I'm basically answering the questions that I have been sent that haven't been picked up over the last season because this is our last one of this run through, right? We've made it from A to Z. Um, Okay, so uh, before the break, I was talking about um, safety in terms of a zipless fucks or any kind of sex that you're having um, or play dates that you are having with people that you do not know uh, well. Um, and so here's what I advise. Um, I'm going to give some advice specifically for women and non-binary folk, um, anybody who is female presenting. Um, do not go to the home of somebody that you do not know. To be fair, I actually would give that advice to everyone. I actually would give that advice to everyone. should not go to somebody's individual personal home that you don't know at all for, you know, a one-off or a, or a very casual encounter. I would tell anybody who's female presenting that you should rent the hotel space in your name and have the person meet you there. If you are getting together with somebody who is male presenting, you should rent the hotel space and have the person meet you there. Why? Um, Because staff will identify you as the customer. 
So if there's a problem, they're going to be quicker to respond to you. That's not a conscious decision. That's unconscious, but it's really important. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, I mentioned before, which was the safe call. That's when you have somebody call you at at a predetermined time and you have a phrase that you will use if something is wrong. And it's got to be a phrase that isn't going to seem odd to the person you're in the room with because if you're in trouble, you want to be asking for help without them knowing you're asking for help and without them feeling weird. So um, you, you, you know, if, if you say that, you, you know, it's the babysitter calling um, and they're wanting to know something about um, the baby's milk, um, you can may, maybe make the predetermined phrase, um, no, that's the wrong temperature, try and give a temperature. Or, um, yes, it's in the third cupboard from the left when when it's not, it's in the fridge, right? You can pick something that is going to go with the conversation, whatever it is you've said the call is about, and that you're going to say that's going to work fine. Sometimes people just say that that they have a friend calling to make sure they're safe. And again, you need to have a an expression that's going to sound like you're saying you're safe when you're not safe. So you need to agree that with the person in advance and they have instructions of what to do if you say that you're in difficulty. Um, you know, a lot of the appeal of a um, zipless fuck is not finding out loads about the other person before you connect with them. But in this day and age, you have the opportunity to find some things out about somebody before you decide to have casual encounter with them. Again, it's it's a matter for each person to risk assess. Well, how much do I need to know before I'm willing to put myself out there? Um Sometimes I think it's just prudent to find out more information to know that you're going to be safe. And I'm not just talking about physically safe, like somebody's not going to um, rape you or somebody's not going to do something um, physical to harm you or kill you, you know, at, at the very worst. But uh, somebody's not going to surreptitiously film you or surreptitiously take pictures of you and then post them on the Internet. Somebody's not going to... Um, you know, try and download your phone content. Somebody's not going to steal money from you. I mean, so there's all sorts of things that that are of concern that aren't direct physical danger. And so these are the things you want to think about. Think about where have you met this person? What do you know about them? And what level of risk are you willing to take? Again, I'm not judging here, right? I don't. It's just about making sure that you make an adequate risk assessment. So I hope I've answered that question um, thoroughly. Okay, um, Harmony asked, and Harmony's from Texas, Harmony asked uh, what to do when her partner pressures her to open up their relationship. Now, this is an interesting one um, because it can actually be so many different scenarios. So I'm going to start with one um, that I think is quite common, but that we don't talk a lot about. Sometimes people meet and one person is non-monogamous and the other person is monogamous. And when they meet, both people are honest about who they are. In their initial conversations with each other, the person who's non-monogamous says, I'm non-monogamous. This is how I do non-monogamy. Um, I don't have any other partners right now, um, but this is important to me. And the monogamous person says, ah, it's not something I really want to do, but I, 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 
you know, I really like you and I'd really like to see if I can manage to be in a situation where I'm not doing it, but I'm okay if you're doing it. And so they have this agreement at the beginning of the relationship, but in the beginning of the relationship, when the new relationship energy is there, we call it NRE for short, new relationship energy is really exciting. You know, anybody, no matter what kind of relationship, romantic relationship you've been in, if you think back to the beginning, that's the time where all the chemicals are running and you, you know, you're really into this person and, and sometimes you don't want to do anything else other than be with them. It's really exciting. It's really fun. Excuse me, it can be really sexy. It's an amazing time, really high energy time. During that period, a non-monogamous person may be totally focused only on their monogamous partner. So the relationship at that point looks and feels monogamous. Why? Because they are so excited and they're in that new relationship energy phase. And if they don't have other partners, it will feel just like a monogamous relationship does. And that can actually be deceptive, not deliberately. It can lull the um, monogamous partner into a false sense of security because many people who are monogamous harbor this view consciously or unconsciously, that if the non-monogamous person just met the right person, i.e. them, they would become monogamous. And so, lo and behold, that's what it looks like is happening. And then when that period ends, one day, the non-monogamous person will meet someone that they want to date or they want to be involved with. And they will bring it up, honestly, the same way that they were talking at the beginning. And at that point, the monogamous person will panic and everything will look like it's going to crash and burn. And often that's when I end up seeing the couple or individuals, depending. And what the monogamous person will often say to me is that they feel betrayed because their partner was being monogamous. And I will beg to differ. The person wasn't being monogamous. They just were not seeing anyone else. And there's a difference between being monogamous and not choosing to date anyone at the moment. And so we end up then working with, well, what can you really live with? And what kinds of structure needs to be in place so that you can allow your partner to be non-monogamous. I mean, maybe you're going to join your partner in some non-monogamy. Maybe not. Maybe you just want to be monogamous, but what can you do in order for you to be able to manage non-monogamy in your partner while you are monogamous and manage it and still have a profitable relationship, a good relationship with your partner and not a damaging situation for yourself? Hugely, hugely, hugely important. Um, and so this is, this is definitely one of the scenarios that I come across most often. Um, that's when people really have to do some work. They have to do some personal work, some soul searching about what works best for them, about what they need. Um, often they haven't actually really looked at this in detail. They have to look at how they communicate with their partner. They need to go back to stage one with their partner, communicating what their wants, needs, and hopes for the future are. And they need to come to some form of agreement so that they're at least going 
in the same direction. That doesn't mean they have to have the same exact goal, but they have to have the same goal for their relationship with each other. Because relationships will not be successful if the people have two different goals for the relationship with each other. I know that sounds obvious, but you'd be amazed how often people don't think about that. So if I have the goal to be married to you and you have the goal to see me once a month, we're going to have a problem. Now, I made that a big disparity, right? So it's obvious. When you look at that, it's obvious we're going to have a problem. But a lot of times what you have is um, one person has the goal um, to um, have a number of different polyamorous relationships, all of which they value. Um, none more important than the other. The other person has the goal to have a partner that they live with at least most of the week. Those goals may be problematic because if you're going to live with somebody five days a week and there's only two days left for any other relationships, that's probably not going to feel terribly egalitarian, and it's going to take some significant negotiation to make sure it does feel okay to the person who's only spending two days a week. I think what I want to highlight here is that these things can often be more complicated than you expect. Therefore, we need to actually think about them consciously. We need to identify where we have monogamy hangover. And if you remember, monogamy hangover is that acting out of the set of beliefs that we have learned in our cultures about monogamy and about how relationships should look. So we need to dig that out and look at the things that we just swallowed whole as expectations and rules and deconstruct that so that we're actually choosing what kinds of rules we want to put in place and expectations. Now, that doesn't mean that some people aren't naturally more monogamous and some people aren't naturally more non-monogamous. They are. But it's the rules and issues that are getting in the way of actually making decisions about whether you can go forward in a mixed relationship like that. Okay. Um, so, the other um, thing I wanted to raise, I'm going to raise after the break, and I want to talk about um, when one person is not monogam, actually monogamish, which is um, a term coined by Dan Savage, which is mostly monogamous, but a small, a small amount of um, episodic hall passes, you know, where you get to do something you always wanted to do. And um, when the other person is um, non-monogamous and wants to fully open the relationship up. But I will talk about that when we get back after these words from our sponsors. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C. diff infection prevention, treatments, clinical trials, environmental safety, and more. 
Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry can safely and effectively treat most health problems. You'll hear about the innovations in both traditional and alternative medicine therapies with doctors and dentists, along with discussions with chiropractors, medical experts, homeopaths, naturopaths, and energetic healers. It's great to have all the best information in one place. And Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins brings it all together. Listen Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. And this is part three of Z or Z equals zipless zaps and other things. And this is the show at the end of the um, season where I am answering all the questions that people put forward to me. So um, let's talk about... um, that situation that I was talking about just before the break um, in answer to um, at least four people who have written in about this over the time where what do you do when you're monogamish and your partner really wants to completely open the relationship up? Um, And so this happens quite a lot when, uh, when, when people are talking about opening up a relationship, often it is driven by one person more than the other. One person's more excited about it than the other. Um, and that, that's okay. That's not a problem. As long as everybody is able to take the pace and the time of the slower person. The mistake that people often make is they push faster and and the person who's driving it wants to drive the pace. Um, and the, the reason that's a mistake is because if I push you into doing something too quickly and you have a bad experience, you're never going to want to do it again. Whereas if I take my time and I allow you to take your time and I allow you to have a good experience, well, then you're going to have a much easier time of it and um, a much higher likelihood of being willing to do more. And the hard part is restraining that excitement, right? Um, It's very common for me to have people in the consulting room where one person's getting upset and angry and annoyed because you said you'd do this, you're just not doing it quickly enough. 
And the more upset and angry and annoyed they get with their partner, the slower their partner goes because they feel like they're, they're not being heard, not being listened to and being dragged, kicking and screaming. And then what you have is a lot of passive aggressive behavior that means that nobody has a good time. So this is not what you want to do. So a couple of tips for dealing with this. Um, when you're looking at monogamish, what is it that the par partner who is monogamish does want to do? What are they excited about doing? That's where you want to start with what they're excited about doing, even if it's something really small. Even if it's not ultimately where you want to be, it is step one along a path. They may stay at that step and you may move further, that, but you'll do it with consent and everybody will be happy about it. Or you may both move further, Right. Again, you'll do it with everybody being happy about it. So it's first starting out and going, oh, hey, we get to take a step. And it may only be a small one, but we get to do it. And that's the first tip. Get really excited about whatever it is that your partner is willing to do and match their level of excitement. Um, and the second thing is for the person who's monogamish, make sure you really understand why you're worried, what is concerning you, rather than just um, saying, well, actually, I'm just really more monogamous. Now, that, look, I'm going to say it again. Some people really are, much, are more monogamous. It's a, it's a continuum from monogamous to, to polyamorous, right? Some people are really more monogamous um, and some people are really more polyamorous, you know? So, um, it, it may be that you're just really more monogamous, but sometimes some of the concerns and fears and upsets and worries aren't about the fact that you're really more monogamous. There are, there are insecurities, there are worries about whether or not um, the person's still going to want you, be interested in you, want the same level of relationship with you. And those are all valid concerns that need to be looked at. And they also need to be looked at from both sides because it's not always that it's that person's insecurity. Sometimes they're not getting enough information from the person who wants to go faster. All they're getting is criticism and pressure. And because of that, um, they can feel more insecure. So their insecurity is magnified by the behavior of their partner who really isn't hearing and reassuring and slowing the pace down. So I hope that was helpful. Um, okay, so let's move on to another question. How important is kissing? And um, what do you do if you don't like the way your partner kisses? Mm. Well, I want to tell you that I've got um, a PDF on kissing that you can get if you head over to my website, drlauribethbisbee.com and um, fill in the form and you can grab a PDF on kissing. It gives you all sorts of information on the art of kissing. Um, how important is kissing? Kissing is incredibly important. Um, when partners kiss each other, it predicts a level of happiness in a relationship. There's been some research on this. And um, so it is an area that tends to go when people are having difficulties. And you can measure the level of difficulties people are having sometimes by how much physical affection is left. Now, when sex has become a battleground for a lot of people, um, all other forms of affection will die down as well. And the reason is because they're concerned that if they show any physical affection, their partner is going to want sex and sex is now a battleground. So they don't want to go there um, and um, 
So that becomes a real issue. Becomes really problematic. So um, one of the things that you need to do is divorce kissing from the necessity for having um, PNV sex or or any kind of full blown sexual activity. Like you can just kiss. And actually, when sex has become a battleground, I often have couples just kiss, just explore kissing. And there are all sorts of different ways that you can kiss, different types of kisses from the very soft kiss to um, to a very intense kiss that involves teeth um, to one of you doing a lot of the kissing and the other person just receiving. And there's all sorts of different types of kisses that you can engage in and, and really spend an awful lot of time kissing. Um, for many couples, that will reignite a fire, particularly if they've been told not to do anything else. Um, that really puts the focus uh, back on um, that very beginning intimacy. And you can watch how much that can develop. And how much fun that can be. Um, if your partner is not a good kisser, you can help them learn to kiss better, to kiss more in a way that you enjoy in a gentle fashion by leading by example. Uh, it can be somewhat awkward to talk with them about it, but you can do that by moving them with your hands and showing them what you want, opening your mouth and closing your mouth to different and different and placing your tongue in different ways so that you're encouraging them to do what you would like them to do. Um, demonstrate on them what you would like them to do. So there's a lot of ways of working with this without kind of completely upsetting your partner. So yes, kissing is amazing and kissing is definitely um, really important. Kissing is also a good place for people to start and limit um, uh, non-monogamy so they can start an exploring of kissing other people but not doing anything else. And so that can be very interesting um, and and be um, something that actually spikes quite, sparks quite a lot of passion. As I said, um, I will send you there at the end of the show as well to go and grab that, that um, ebook, that PDF ebook that I've got there um, on kissing um, with some really great tips. Okay. Um, Paul, we'll take Paul's question next. Paul wrote in and said uh, that he would like to know how to deal with long times away from his wife. Uh, Paul travels a lot for work and finds it really difficult um, to keep the intimacy alive whilst he is back and forth traveling for work. And um, he finds that when he comes home, um, their homecoming, which used to be exciting and passionate, now that they have a couple of kids, is often awkward initially, and they only just get back into their stride, and then he's going away for work again. So thanks for the question, Paul. It's a great question. Um, it's uh, Some people are in long-distance relationships for you know months and years at a time, and other people are in long-distance relationships that are periodic because um, they go off to work, and, and so they may be gone during the week and not see their partner till the weekend, or they may be gone for a month and not see their partner until they have the, the time off after the first month. Those sorts of rotations can be quite difficult. 
So I always bring people back to basics on this one. Uh, Anticipation is something that really gets all our juices flowing. Anticipation is wonderful um, and amazing and is one of the things that is usually present at the beginning of a relationship and often disappears after the new relationship energy dies down. So the first thing that I tell people who have long distance relationships is, or are going to have long distance relationships is you need to build anticipation back. And sometimes when I say that somebody gets it, they remember what it was like at the beginning and they find it really easy. But most of the time people don't remember what they did to build anticipation at the beginning. They often felt like they weren't the one who was doing it. Like it was their partner who was doing it when actually they probably were both doing it. So let's start there. So some of the ways to build anticipation are to plan things you're going to do together and talk about what you're going to do. It's not non-spontaneous to do that. It's amazing, right? So you have to kind of get your head around the fact that sex doesn't have to be spontaneous, that actually planning it and building up to it can be an awful lot of fun. So that's where I have couples start. Plan a couple of actual sex dates for when you get home. What am I going to do with you or to you when I get home? Now, you can plan it. You can talk to each other about it. You can text each other about it. You can make little videos for each other or audio files for each other about it. You can write about it. You can source erotica that has something that you want to do and send them the erotica, a link to the erotica, if it's a movie or if it's an audio porn or if it's, um, if it's a book, you know, or a story, you can source that and send it to your partner. All of these things will build anticipation. So will your regular chats with each other via phone or via um, video chat or via text. And you can you know, when you source erotica, you can start reading it to each other in the chat. You can talk about, you know, I want you to sit down quietly and close your eyes and think about this scenario for when, when I get home and, and describe a scenario. So there's all sorts of ways to start building this desire and anticipation about all the fun you're going to have. Now, it's really important when you do something like this, that you're also leaving space for rest. You're also leaving space for the possibility of things going wrong, because there's nothing worse than when you've built a ton of anticipation, and then something happens that things go wrong. And so, you not only crash because things went wrong, but you crash because you, you were built up so high, you crash from a great height. Not what you really want. Okay, so um, we're going to take a break in a second and get some words from our sponsors. And when we come back, I'll talk a bit more about this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. There is a difference in health and wellness programs. There can be mainstream programs, and then there is something extra. That something extra is called tips to keep you healthy, happy, and motivated with your host, Kristen Harper. 
If you want to hear some behind-the-scenes talk radio when it comes to health and wellness, the why as well as the how, be sure to tune in each week. This show will inspire you to be healthy and happy for life as well as become the best version of yourself. Listen Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the A to Z of Sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Uh, this week is the letter Z or Z, and we are uh, doing zapping, uh, zipless fuck, and other um, bits and pieces. Basically, this week, I'm answering the questions that have built up over the last uh, season, because, yes, we've made it again from A to Z. Um, and so, uh, before the break, I was talking about... Um, uh, non-monogamy and this idea of, uh, and uh, sorry, long-distance relationships, and this idea of building anticipation as part of um, the long-distance relationship. So we were talking um, about um, all these strategies that you can use to build anticipation. The other thing that um, I find is important to do, which will not only build anticipation, but will provide a bit of stability and security is to make sure that you're having regular contact with your partner. That's contact that isn't where the kids are around or there's a hundred people in the background. That's contact where you actually can have a private conversation. Um, And that is quite important. And, um, I always recommend that people try and do something every day. Um, when my husband and I were apart, and we were apart for um, for five and a half years, um, we spoke every day uh, at 2 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. British. Every day, except for the days I was traveling and the days we were together. And so we had a really clear routine of when we spoke Um, We had a video chat. We spoke at other times too, but that was the routine. I knew I could always count on that. We we were in each other's daily lives and that's quite important. Now, I do recognize that some people do work where that's not possible, but if it's at all possible, that's definitely something that you want to shoot for. It just makes it easier um, to really stay um, connected uh, with the other person's life. Really important in order to see the continuity and have the reintegration of the person into your life physically be much, much easier. So those are the types of things that I think are important when you're looking at maintaining a long distance relationship. 
Um, the other thing that I recommend, which is really useful, um, are app-controlled toys. And there are a wide variety of app-controlled toys. I did do um, an entire show on app-controlled toys. So you can go back and reference that and check out all the different kinds of app control toys. But um, there are a wide variety. Uh, my two favorite companies for this are Lovins um, uh, and WeVibe. And um, the reason is because they have the most stable apps. Um, Lovins does have a product um, for heterosexual couples where the man has a masturbation sleeve and the woman has a rabbit vibrator and you can actually kind of tie them together so they're in tandem at a distance. So it is like you're having intercourse. Um, and um, all of the other toys, I mean, they got so many toys. They, they've got toys for every gender. And um, it's fun to let your partner be able to control the toy. So that's the fun part of app control toy as opposed to you using a toy when you're on camera with them. With app control toys, this can be something that happens when you're not on camera, when you're not talking or when you are, of course, with consent. So you give the person access and they can tell you, well, you know, put in your panty vibrator all day and at some point they turn it on. Um, and so this can be a lot of fun. You do need to make sure you've got consent and um, and that you're also not going to drive all the um, people who aren't involved in this situation crazy, um, you know, by, you know, setting her off screaming in a, in a grocery store or something like that, because then, you know, you're not getting the consent of the other people in the grocery store to see this sort of thing. You don't get to involve them in it um, without consent. It's not not really nice. And I know people have a kink sometimes um, to, to be exhibitionists in front of people who didn't agree to see this or hear this, um, but that really is a, a consent problem. So it's something you need to think about because you can go and be an exhibitionist in front of a group of people who have consented to see people um, behaving in a sexual manner. Um, and that is a good way to meet that need without um, non-consensually exposing people to your sexual behavior. Um, and so that's another great thing to do. Uh, definitely app-controlled toys are a thing and they're a lot of fun. And um, they're really, really useful when you're in, you're separated for periods of time to actually keep um, connected with each other. Um, I think probably if you wanted to know which my favorite ones were right at the moment, because it does change. Um, I'm really enjoying the Ambi, um, which is a love and swan. And um, the um, their panty vibrator, which I can't think of the name of, um, I'm also enjoying. And I always enjoy the Aussie, which is the G-Spot vibrator. I love that vibrator. Um, and that, those are the app control toys I'm enjoying most at the moment. But my, my you know, it changes. You know, WeVibe um, has um, some great anal toys too. So does Lovins. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of different things that you can do and and have fun with and i encourage you to look at them and explore and and pick one to try and if you're going to pick one to try pick something that is a type of toy that you already know you enjoy right so um start with something that you know you really have a good time with so that when somebody else is controlling the pattern and the intensity, you have a chance of actually getting off. If it's something you don't know how to use or you're not used to using, it, it can be more problematic. So that's what I would advise. So those are all my suggestions. I hope they, they help um, during the times that you're away working and they help you and your wife to really stay connected intimately and uh, increase the quality of your relationship. Well, guys, 
This is uh, getting towards the end of the show, believe it or not. Um, And as I said, it's the end of the season. We've made it again from A to Z. Um, I really have so much fun bringing this show to you. Um, um, We've had a mix of guests and solo shows this time. And um, next season, we will also have a mix of guests and solo shows. And a few repeat shows for the times when I'm afraid I'm going to be away. I'm going to try and do some pre-recording so that you can get um, extra new shows. Um, when I'm going to be away, because I've got a bunch of um, a bunch of things coming up that will keep me um, unable to record live. Um, so I'm going to do my best to get some cool guests for you. And if there's anybody that you want to hear, um, or there's any topic you want to hear about, please, please, please email me at Dr. Lori Be- Lori Beth at drlauribethbisbee.com. So that's L O R I B E T H at Dr. L-O-R-I-B-E-T-H-B-I-S-B-E-Y.com with the suggestions that you have for the show, and I will happily try and enact them. Now, if you want to know the things I'm doing, for example, if you want to know when my books go on sale, because we're about to put all three of the most recent books on sale, that includes the erotica, um, or you want to know when we're doing the next online pl- virtual play party, or you want to know when I'm teaching my next class, or if I'm going to appear on somebody else's show, um, or when I'm running my next group. You can get all that information by being on my uh, mailing list. So you can do that by heading over and filling in the form, and you'll get um, an ebook on kissing right at the moment if you do so as a thank you. Um, and then you'll be on the mailing list. You can also go over to Facebook and join my membership group, um, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's membership group. It really is that straightforward. And um, they get information there before anybody else usually about what I'm doing and when I am doing it. Um, so that is how you get the best information from me. If you're thinking about working with me um, and you want to have a conversation about what that would entail and um, what kind of financial commitment you'd be looking at, um, you can find on my website a place where you can sign up for a complimentary 20-minute session with me where we can talk about the logistics of how I can help you create and maintain those meaningful relationships with sizzling sex but without shame. In the meantime, I will see you next week. Have a good one. Stay safe. Have fun. And next week, we'll be back at the beginning of the alphabet with A. We hope you learned something today. But if you have more questions, go ahead and email them to Lori Beth at drlauribethbisbee.com. Then be here next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of the A to Z of Sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on Voice America Health and Wellness. See you next week.